This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Yo, yo. What's up, man? Not much. Welcome to another Waterfall Wednesday. With World Traveler. Or, yeah, yeah, I could say World Traveler. You went to multiple countries. I've been to a couple. Yeah. Three. In my life i uh did just return from a six day band hunting trip in areas far and wide and it was quite unsuccessful <laughs> <laughs> you could have built it up a little bit better than that <laughs> i'll tell you this much though it was as successful as it possibly could have been Okay. And what I mean by that is I decoyed every fucking goose in that area. Oh, that, that's pretty <laughs> That's pretty cool. Also All pretty 18 amazing, of right? them. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's all that there was. And I decoyed all of them. And I hung out with them for two days as they just became used to me. And we kind of became friends and bonded. We hung out on this little river peninsula where they were kind of loafing and feeding all day long. And, uh, yeah, we got to know each other pretty well. I had some nicknames for some of them. There was Limpy. Um, that was the one that limped. Uh, what? And then no there way. was another one. There was another one I named Wetback. Uh, it looked like he had some preening issues. Hmm. Mm. And none of them were sporting the bands that I was after, but I did have a hell of a good time traveling the world and, uh, you know, decoying some bands. You got, you got uh, some bands when you went to Canada, didn't you? Nick hung up on me. So what I did was I uh, 
<laughs> I was going to click do, uh, do not disturb so I wouldn't get another one of those text notifications. And then I clicked airplane mode and I hung up on you. Yeah, way to go. Way to go, my friend. Where was I? Uh, uh, you just finished talking about your friends uh, over there, Wetback. You didn't get any bands, but it was fun. But then I said, and you had already hung up on me, you did get some bands <laughs> when you were in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. I? No, I did a solo podcast. We haven't even discussed that on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't. Uh, we haven't even covered that trip. And I was kind of like just saving the story until I did another podcast with you. Well, perfect. Well, let's talk about Canada. Well, Canada, um, they require you to get a vaccine, which is actually pure maple syrup. And um, and uh, it's not worth it. Nobody should go to Canada. You should stay unvaccinated and stay the fuck out. More bird's view. Is that where you're going with this? <laughs> Less pressure. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome, man. Oh, I mean... Dude, Manitoba never disappoints. That that place is ridiculous with goose abundance. But I went up there specifically hunting for rivet bands, uh, double rivet bands, and I hunted two days running traffic in canola fields. Did quite a lot of birds. And then I, uh, on my second day, which is only going to be a two-day trip, I'm sitting in a canola field running traffic, and uh, I just I was running a crosswind from left to right. And so my first decoy, I want to start at like 15 yards, but I started a little closer than that. Specifically, there's like eight of them. And like I was pulling birds in, checking them, they're flying away. There's this like eight or 10 pack of geese and they're coming from my right because of the crosswind. They just tried to land with like those close group of decoys, which was in a canola field, there's no hide. So I'm just pure, as pure grass hide as you can grass hide, just a big shoe on the carpet. And, uh, these, uh, these geese are about to land and then they're like, nope, too close to that weird lump of grass right there. And they bailed. I was like, yeah, those eight decoys, they got to get moved. Those things that way, at least, you know, when birds are landing 20 to 30 yards out, they're a lot more comfortable about that, that shoe on the carpet. Right. So I got up and I grabbed two of the decoys and I marched them all the way across the spread to where I was was just going to move them to be the furthest out decoys. I set them down. I was walking back and I'm like, oh shit, there's a goose in the spread. And uh, so I was like, well, let's let's see. Pretty sure I checked that one already. I'm like, well, no. I, I counted how many birds I checked and I counted how many birds flew away. That one's unaccounted for. I was like, Maybe. So now I'm just walking over to it in the decoys, like just directly over to it. The canola is tall. I'm like taking 10 steps, pulling up my binoculars, like, Still can't see it. All right. Walk a little bit closer. Still can't see it. In my mind, like, I still thought there's a chance I had already checked this bird. And also, it was smaller. Like, it was kind of a small Canada. Like, and there's a lot of small and medium-sized honkers, but typically the rivet bands are going to be on the giants, you know? So I didn't peg this one for a giant. And I'm like, eh, it's not banded. I know it ain't. And I just, I get to the point where I'm like 15 yards away from it. And I've binocular net and finally like oh fuck me it's banded (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh my god i can't believe i just brazenly walked up on that fucker like that i'm like all right well i guess i'll walk back to my gun 
<laughs> oh, you didn't have your gun on you, of course. No, I just moved some de- I moved two decoys. Always take your gun with you. <laughs> always, always, always. So I walk back to my blind, grab my gun, I walk back up to it, and it's still standing there like, but these DSDs are my friends. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking awesome. I laughed, I cried so hard. I did that, I was like, no way! And were they rivets? Really... Yeah, it was a double band. Like, I didn't see oh, the crazy. second band until I had shot it, and I picked it up. I was like, no fucking way! <laughs> That's sweet, dude. <laughs> and DSDs do that, you know? Like, throughout the course, like, even just those two days, where I, I drove to Manitoba with um, 44 DSD Giants in my truck, solo hunted. And, like, man, even the first day, like, you land geese, and they kind of, after a couple minutes or moments, they kind of, like, assimilate to the flock the and the flock being the decoys like uh-huh. i'm just doing i'm just here now i'm with these guys and uh like when you come up out of a blind sometimes they're just like well if nobody else is freaked out i don't know why i'm free should i should i freak out <laughs> i guess not nobody else is freaking out <laughs> like hey do they, there should we be worried about that yeah <laughs> no? No, nobody no? else just me we're, just we're I'm good the, i'm i'm the weird one I so guess. like I feel like I should be worried, but I, I guess I guess I'm not. <laughs> and that We're, happens all the okay. time, like when you land birds and then you poke out of the blind and they're like, all right, I guess there's a human here. <laughs> <laughs> and, but even the day before, like I had walked off um, and I took, a, I took a nice little brush poop and I walked back and there's a goose in the decoys and it sat there for an hour. It walked, watched me walk back to the pit. Hmm. I mean, it, it happens all the time, except for after I shot that double band. You can hunt in Manitoba till noon, and I'm sitting there, and I forgot my lunch in the truck, and I'm like, God damn it. Should I just suffer till noon? And then I'm like, God, I got to eat. Screw it. I already got my double band. I'll make it fast. So I ran back to my truck, grabbed the hard-boiled eggs out of my cooler, bag of chips, some gum, some soda or something, and then I turn around, shut the truck door. Six honkers are landing in the spread. Oh, I'm like, wow. oh my god i fucking knew it i fucking knew it but i literally haven't had a goose like jump out of my decoys all weekend i'm just gonna walk over there and i'll check them nope i got like 10 more steps closer to them and they all bailed i was like what the fuck damn it i wonder how many double bands are in that six pack probably (laughs) six birds 24 bands or 12 i mean that math is terrible yeah, I was like, God, I could have got you know, for sure there was at least one double banded bird in there, probably in that collar. Oh, please, <laughs> make it even worse. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I was chasing in my most recent trip was some neck collars, and I didn't get any. So this wasn't like a scout mission. You said you're hunting out of a pit, so this was at uh, like an outfitter, correct? Well, what I do usually when I go up to Manitoba is I'll always um, I'll call. Bob with Okamic Outfitters and I will just get up dailies on a field for my first morning and you can scout from that field and like I don't do the whole scout your first day when I take a trip I hunt the first day like I'll lease a field or I'll hunt a public field no matter where I go like I can scout from where I'm hunting sure especially if you can only hunt till noon is it like like that every day or they have those weird like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday till noon, and Saturday till four. They have those weird rules or no? 
it's every day until noon for geese. You can hunt ducks in the afternoon. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, that's just one. I guess that's travel. Weird. Tip, why? I guess. Why do you think that is? I don't know. It's an old school regulation. Like they even have like they do that in North Dakota, I believe. During the regular season, they have like a noon closure. It's just an old school thing that's still a holdout in some locations. Yeah, did they change that in North Dakota? I don't remember. And, and I thought I remember. That's why I brought up because I think North Dakota, at least they used to. I don't know if they changed it, but and it used to have weird times, but only like on Thursday and Saturday or something really weird like that. In, until this date, yeah, or and something. until a certain date, and then it's like all bets are off after that. It's like just yeah, like regular waterfall seasons. Just let's make it as confusing as possible. <laughs> like why why not just shoot five geese from this day to that day, sunrise, half hour before sunrise to sunset and call it good. Yeah. Nope. I don't, it's whatever. It is what it is. I mean, gotta know your regulations wherever you're hunting. Yeah. And also how has the hunting been in Minnesota around here? Um, I went out uh Sunday, but that was just a suicide mission anyways. I didn't really go uh I didn't do anything, so I overslept this weekend. That's good. <laughs> well uh yeah, when you change like you edit your alarm on your phone, you still have to click that little slide tab there to on. Apparently that's an important piece that I didn't do. I've so, done that for work for thirty or forty times yeah, for sure. Woke up at six o'clock when I was supposed to wake up at three o'clock. It's like mm, yeah, boys, I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> but What were you waking up at 3 a.m. for? I had to drive all somewhere way down south. So I had to meet my ah. buddy Joel, and then I was hopping with him, and then we were going to meet our other buddy Austin, and then from there we are going to go somewhere. And it was one of those things like it's they got permission, but other people have permission, so we want to get there first, and it's way too early. But And turns out sleeping in, was it? Yeah, that's <laughs> that sounds like one of those deals. <laughs> Like when you get like, uh, well, I hope they don't shoot anything. Like when you accidentally sleep in and then you find out, you're like, thank God. Well, no, I would have rather <laughs> they had shot something and had a good time, but it's uh, not know. without me there. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I mean, yeah, I mean, it could have very well been a great hunt. It just turned out not to be that great. I guess the some of the people that did have permission, there, there's some kids across the the pond that they were hunting that were blowing uh their goose calls like kazoos sounded like kazoos at every bird that they could see on the horizon and it was one of those deals but oh well that happens uh, other than that um hunting has been for me pretty lackluster last weekend we uh went on a little adventure with the kayaks paddling this wma that's like so choked out with wild rights it's ridiculous heard mm-hmm. tons of ducks you know in the in the dark but apparently they all got up and fed somewhere else because once, once it got light they we didn't see much moving around and didn't end up we did see some flocks of mallards there were some flocks of pintails uh around we did end up shooting one pintail and then that was it one pintail and it was uh when austin cleaned it he said there was corn in its crop so it's like oh really so they're dry feeding somewhere which is kind of cool yeah, and, um, I mean, just looking at the Minnesota Waterfall Migration and Hunting Report for October 7th, and it says, um, good species diversity this year with pintails, widgeons, gadwalls, and redheads fairly common in duck hunters' bag that's likely related to drought conditions to the west. Yeah, it was, um, I, I figured last week we had a, a pretty good diver 
in flux. It was like that calendar diver migration. It happens in the teen October teens every year. It seems. Sure, and our moon is getting a lot bigger, and our our daytime um, our daytime weather since I got back last Thursday has been pretty trash for just waterfowl activity during the day, but pretty fantastic for waterfowl activity at night. So I think there's probably a lot of shaking up going on the monopoly board right now. Yeah. So we got a message here. Um, somebody sent in a question for, it says idea topic for waterfowl Wednesday. Lawrence Loma wants to know, I would like to hear your guys input or the rig on the now or the regular migration, however you want to say it. We've heard, talk about molts but now that we're in the kind of well he says lull but we're in the meat of the season what do we expect from a migration from the, the north or when do we expect a migration from the north what weather pattern should we be looking for to take a day off when when we see it well take a day off you shouldn't do that okay Nick. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding i'm just kidding no the last few days have been great actually to take off um, to just kind of, I mean, birds are going to be doing a lot of movement at night. They got these cold, clear conditions. I mean, if you've ever, uh, been an airplane pilot, you know that it's smoother flying at night and it, they've just had nice smooth air. The moon continues to get bigger. I think we got a full moon coming up here in less than a week. It's called the hunter's, right? hunter's moon. A hunter's moon is coming up soon. And, uh, like yesterday I went hunting just like I said, it was a suicide mission. Just went to play with my animal action figures <laughs> and um, have people take pictures of them. Yeah. Yeah. We had a couple walkers come up. <laughs> I was in a very public spot <laughs> So funny. and um, three groups of walkers actually came up and took photos. It wasn't just the one. And, and then at the end of the night, uh, looked like a teenage boyfriend, girlfriend couple set up a hammock along the river just next to us, which I was like, well, they're not fucking anything up for us. Right. And they didn't bring a Bluetooth speaker. So I didn't, you know, no big deal. <laughs> they're like literally 40 yards away from us. They might just like, get startled if we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> please let a wood duck bomb in this motherfucker. <laughs> and, um, one thing I was, I, I've been looking at the weather is Wednesday, Wednesday is going to be dreary and rainy all day long. And what it, what that'll do is it'll hold birds out in fields basically all day long. They will forgo like going back to a roost or going to a day loaf and they'll just sleep out in fields. So a day like Wednesday is going to be great. Basically, if you can get out maybe an hour after sunrise till an hour before sunset, just to scout, like if it's rainy, maybe it's best to scout or do a scout hunt. That would be great on Wednesday to see what is now in your area because these weather conditions, especially if you're looking around in the afternoon when it's really warm, really clear, and it's going to, you know, we're getting these wild temperature swings of 35 degrees Fahrenheit from morning till evening. There's very little activity at night. So if you're scouting evenings, you've got 10 minutes to freaking scout and you're probably seeing only a small percentage of the birds. That'll change Wednesday when we can actually get out, get an assessment of what's all around. One thing you want to do is if you see a goose in a field, you'll want to scan the entire field. They won't be grouped up because they'll have all day to walk around. So they might have landed in the field grouped up. But I mean, if you're getting there three hours later, they're spread out. They've walked all over the place, but you should be able to put some miles on and say, all right, there's a lot of geese around this city. 
there's a lot of geese around here or get an assessment of what is where now. So also there's specs moving through right now. Yeah. I've heard some, which is kind of interesting because uh, I've heard some scattered reports, but also like I would say a week, if not two weeks ago, I heard of uh, reports of specs down South already. So a yep. bunch of them already just like did the big mega jump and now some are trickling through. Yep, and that flock of geese or specks that do that, they're getting bigger and bigger every year, so it's just getting to be more noticeable. But um, there's definitely a colony or multiple colonies of speckle bellies that have an early migration strategy, like as soon as they're fledged out, they are headed south. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because there was, I'm trying to think where my buddy lives. I think it's Oklahoma, Missouri, Oklahoma. But he took video, I swear it was like two weeks ago, and it was just flock after flock of specks flying a mile high overhead it's like oh, sure specks are here already it's like holy crap i wonder when that early spec season starts in arkansas it's i think it's the end of november, end of october i'm sure there's some there maybe not all of them, but i'm sure they got some down there oh yeah yeah they, i've heard like when they start their early spec season down in arkansas there'll be like areas that have forty thousand, fifty thousand specks in it wow so apart from like what he was asking apart from the molt migration that we see um, when are we just looking for what kind of weather events should people be paying attention to when they can expect a migration? Is this your typical well, Northwest winds? Is it following the same rules? Definitely. But it gets to be a little bit more, maybe sparsed out a little bit. What, what can really make it noticeable is a weather induced emergency migration. For example, if it snows for, you know, 12 inches and there's a, a line where it stops if you're below if you're south of that line you're going to see a fuckload of birds right yeah so maybe not be looking at the weather where you're planning and hunting but look north like where and the birds a, be coming from like is canada getting snow you know that would or be is it getting important. frost or is it getting frost or is it getting ice sure. because as as ice up starts to continue too we're going to have First, the first thing that's going to ice over is going to be our small bodies of water. Then you're going to get a lot of birds migrating out. Those will be that'll happen fast. You know that only takes one 18 degree night or one 14 degree night before all of a sudden those all the small puddle ducks are frozen out and they make an emergency migration. And then after that, it might take a little bit longer for like some of the smaller lakes, medium sized lakes. That'll take a few nights, and then you'll see that emergency migration. And then you won't get any more. You won't see that like tremendous emergency migration, but what we will see is the continuous drip of a faucet that happens at every opportune moment. You know, our landscape is so big and our water and agriculture is so plentiful. Like they just, they're diluted across our landscape, but we do get a rolling, continual, constant movement of birds from, you know, August 25th, basically until around december 25th and it's about over hmm. i mean just it's if you see what what i'm really looking for when it comes to this time of year is whether not that's really going to induce migration so much i mean you're going to get those events where you're going to see a fuckload but i'm really looking for whether that's going to induce activity like because as you get later into the year the birds become a lot less active too you're not getting these long september days where geese go feed in the morning, low fall af- loaf in the afternoon, maybe hit a parking lot up before they go feed in the you know around sunset at 9 p.m. You know what I mean? The days are shorter. 
and they start to get less active. You start to see geese going into a one-feed activity type right. of day. Yeah, I was just going to bring so, it up. You start getting to the one-a-days. The one-a-day feeding activity. And just in general, birds are are stockpiling food. They're eating as much as they possibly can with what weather they have to do it. And then they're just kind of relaxing, putting on fat. And they're just not as – waterfowl just is not as active in cold weather. The warmer it is, the more active waterfowl is. Mm-hmm. So um, as we get colder, as our days get shorter, I'm looking for weather patterns like Wednesday with a lot of rain, a lot of dreariness. That's like, yeah, there's going to be birds out doing stuff today. That's when I kind of want to hunt because like, our migration is constantly going to be rolling. So what day am I going to be sitting there and not just be sitting, staring at empty skies going, fuck. <laughs> Of course they're not doing anything <laughs> like what, like last night. Sure. They're just, sure. it was too nice. It was too warm. Yeah. Like, it was just, no, it was just perfectly bluebird clear skies. They, they're basically have all the activity they need is going to be at nighttime right now. Mm, I got you. And they're not going to be feeding, but they will be moving. Shuffling around different water sources or. And I probably said like three things that are conflicting anyways. there, but that's just the way it is. Get over it, all right? Go look at bird yourself. <laughs> I was wondering, like, well, you said they move more when the weather's nice. It was pretty nice last night. Uh, no, they probably... do move more, you know, like when it's 10 below out. Geese feed at like 20 minutes after sunset, and they feed for like 14 minutes. So like how much corn can they possibly get? Right. And then they head back to the roost, and then they sleep all day. And that's, I mean, what they're primarily switching to, if it's available, is like corn right now. It's probably what you're going to end up seeing. But every year I also see this. Like, it'll get kind of cool, you know, and then they're in a, a corn binge. But then we get that, like, uh, you know, Indian summer, call it. That's probably not politically correct anymore. But it warms back up. Like, it'll get cold, and then all of a sudden it warms back up. You get a couple days where it's really nice. I've noticed in the last few years that they'll – switch back to a grass feed sure and they really never really warm. switch off of grass but they'll definitely go to it like instead of corn yeah like so if like, they're doing yeah if they're doing a loaf or something that they're, they're loafing on grass and they're you know they're also eating grass while they're there even though they were just in a cornfield earlier that morning but yeah it seems like they fly out to grass when it gets right. really hot i mean get geese are like unless they're sleeping they're basically eating or migrating you know like if they're sitting in the lake they're tipping and they're foraging for water vegetation if they're sitting on a loaf they're eating if they're out in a feed also eating yeah they do they eat a lot that's why they poop a lot (laughs) they eat a lot except during when it's super 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 cold when they need the hot calories yeah well that's i think they're just letting that furnace burn you know they go out and they get their chowing their food and then they go back and bundle up get nice and cozy with each other and try to conserve they actually these. do go into a very light hibernate uh hibernation state too when it mm. gets that cold really like a very very light hibernation state like where they can sit on it, the ice all day long and sleep and feed for 18 minutes their heartbeat slows down their body temperature drops i'm always surprised that waterfall can just stand on the ice like, how do their feet not freeze? Or birds They got general. no nerves. But they got, yeah, there's not much going on in their, it's like tendons and 
very few <laughs> blood vessels going on in there. There's not much going on in there than those feet. And I think too. I think did we just lose you again? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Now I can hear you. You cut out there for a little bit. Oh, and now he's gone. This episode is not brought to you by whoever he has for a carrier. All right, let's try this again. <laughs> let's try this again. You are going to have some editing to do. <laughs> okay, so when I'm when I'm looking at the weather and like what's going to induce bird movement, I'm not looking for a specific weather event like we have Wednesday when it's rainy and they're going to be out there all day. Not just looking for something like that. I'm also looking for just a change in the weather. You know, like, has it been warm? Now it's cold. Has it been cold? Now it's warm. Like, that's going to change. Has it been sunny? Now it's cloudy. Does it start, you know, just any change in the weather is going to induce a change in the birds' patterning. And I'm always reluctant to use the word pattern with waterfall because they only pattern to the weather. They do similar things in similar weather. They don't do similar things to what they did yesterday unless the weather's similar. Right. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. Well, it makes sense so, to me, I guess. <laughs> but anyways, um, should we end this before I cut out again? <laughs> just abruptly? Just... Yeah, it's been waterfall. <laughs> Brought you by Bob. <laughs> Bob's ammunition. That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen, well, route before I go here down in southern Minnesota, I'm near Roch, and the goose activity has been pretty light. There's not much going on down here. So, no? No, not really. It's kind of like a little local population. And I, I call it local because the number has been consistent. Even through, like, multiple, like, molt migrations and different things I'm hearing around the state. It's like, there's pretty much been 30 geese here. And this looks, I'm right next to a, a body of water. And it's just like, it always seems to be 30 geese here, no matter what. It's kind of weird. Here's one thing I was thinking about. How long before a goose that has migrated into your area becomes a local? Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Because, like, if there's, like, 10 geese that grow up on your pond and then you wake up and there's 40, well, 30 of them, at least 30, maybe all 40, are brand new. So they start acting like locals pretty fast, though, right? Like, within yeah, 48 hours. The... Yeah, I just <laughs> yeah. mean, like, it, the numbers, it's just kind of crazy. Like, it hasn't fluctuated. It's nope. been really weird, well, but... All right, well, thanks for joining us on Waterfall Wednesday. Thanks, Boss Ammunition, for uh, supporting the podcast. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. All right, we'll touch base next week. Bye. All right, later.